The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today welcome to all around sports with john inglesby john's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players former players commissioners and owners john and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports now let's talk all around sports here's your host john inglesby voice america listeners welcome to the 115th ever show of all around sports we're each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my event of the week that I attended. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week was the debut of Fox Sports 1, and just great to have an alternative new channel covering exclusively sports out there. I uh, spent a lot of time watching it this past week, and I really liked what I saw. Uh, right off the bat, what particularly impressed me was uh, when they broke in live to the courtroom for the Aaron Hernandez uh, court hearing uh, the other day, in the middle of the afternoon. Obviously, I'm here in Boston. It was a big story, and it happened to be the channel I was watching, no surprise, at the moment. And... Uh, and, you know, again, to see that they are going to be the kind of station that will be cutting in live for stories of uh, breaking news stories of interest, I loved it. That told me a lot. That was the icing on the cake for what was, again, a good first week in my book where, uh, you know, I loved the, you know, the new show that's going to be competing with uh, Sports Center. Uh, Fox Sports Live. It uh, comes on pretty much 11 o'clock every Eastern, every night. Uh, two guys from Canada, Jay Onrate and Dan O'Toole, do a great job. Dry sense of humor. They make it fun. And then they switch back uh, to panels with, uh, you know, a number of different people. Andy Roddick is pretty good as a panelist. Donovan McNabb, Afram Salam, Gary Payton, Gabe Kapler are are people that wrote the, on the panel at various times, uh, former ESPNer Carissa Thompson moderates it. She's good. Saw her down in New Orleans at the, uh, during Super Bowl week, during one of her shows live, Sports Nation, I believe. She was excellent. Excellent then, excellent now. So, yes, 
So they take the big stories. This panel analyzes them. In the meantime, the stories are being delivered, uh, as I mentioned earlier, by uh, Jay and Dan. And, uh, again, good sense of humor. And uh, all in all, first rate. I like ESPN. I like SportsCenter. I spend a lot of time watching them. It's typically in sort of the background. Uh throughout my day and uh again it's just great to have an alternative it's going to make sports twice as fun going forward a couple other new shows regis philbin 5 p.m eastern uh crowd goes wild watch a little bit of that including the debut it was excellent there's also a football show fox football live that uh you know that was on and uh, watched the debut of that as well, and so it was great. Yeah, it's just great to have uh, an alternative to uh, the ESPN, watch them both, and again, it's going to be uh, excellent going forward and perfect timing as we head into the football season uh, to have a new channel on the scene. Well, my low light of the week is the Ryan Braun sorry statement, and I do mean sorry. It was just, uh, you know, he, he basically, uh, I do a lot of PR. I know a PR statement when I see it. <laughs> I've written plenty of them, and th- this was a classic one. Uh, the guy just needs to talk, stand up, and talk to people. Uh, this was so contrived and just boilerplate that for that to be his first kind of public statements ridiculous i heard a lot of chatter this morning on the sports shows that some players uh, have suggested you know he took a lot of time talking about it on tv when he was def- uh lying uh and maybe he should take a similar amount of time on tv to hold a press conference and answer questions uh face to face and man to man but again, it is just, uh, you know, weak, weak, a weak start to his defense and the rebuilding of his image. My bizarre story of the week is Johnny Manziel being named to the second, repeat, second team All-SEC quarterback. Uh, unheard of. The guy who won the Heisman Trophy last year as a freshman, first freshman ever, is not even first team for his own conference's preseason team. Just incredible. Preseason all-conference team. So it just tells you all you need to know and speaks volumes about how the coaches in the SEC, and that's who uh, voted uh, the preseason all-SEC team, how the coaches, opponent opposition coaches feel about Johnny Manziel's offseason. My event of the week that I attended was the final days last weekend of the U.S. Amateur Golf Tournament here in Brookline, the 113th U.S. Open. When I say Brookline, a suburb of Boston at the Country Club where they played the 1999 Ryder Cup and 1988 U.S. Open for that matter. Fabulous event, uh, really one of the more unique events I've covered in a while, and by that I mean on Sunday, match play, final two, uh, 
Matt Fitzpatrick from England versus Oliver Goss. And it was just, uh, we, we were just able to walk right with the golfers. I felt like I was, you know, in the movie, the greatest game ever played, just walking along, literally, within feet of the golfers, walking right beside them with the other media and many, many fans, just kind of right down the fairway for 18 holes to walk in the, you know, uh, the country club grounds, which are spectacular. It's the oldest country club in the United States. Uh, sacred ground, uh, uh up here and in the world of golf. So it was just fabulous. And uh, Matt Fitzpatrick could be the next face of golf, youngish-looking guy. If I had to guess, I'd say something that looks like 5'7", 140, blasting the ball, serious pressure golfer. Uh, Just, again, extremely likable. And uh, so it should be fun to see what happens to Matt Fitzpatrick going forward. He was the low amateur at this past British Open, won by Phil Mickelson. So, you know, he's uh, already been around the block at age 17. He's headed to Northwestern, uh, incoming freshman here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But before he does that, he is going to represent uh, the England-Ireland team in the upcoming Walker Cup in uh, the Hamptons, in Long Island, in just a couple of weeks. So here's what uh, Matt had to say after he won the U.S. Amateur, talking about the upcoming Walker Cup. It's it's pretty much the highest you can do. Um, That's what I believe anyway. It's the history of that, and you just want to play some British Amateur. It's just a fantastic event. Fitzpatrick uh, talking about the upcoming Walker Cup down in Long Island in a couple of weekends. Uh, Again, you know, it was just the whole U.S. amateur was just uh, fabulous. Uh, Great week at the country club. Just spending the week at the country club covering the event was spectacular uh, but, you know, it just culminated in Sunday. And Saturday I was there. It was, you know, Final Four, match play. Uh, so two matches going on at the same time. And, again, you're just walking right with these guys. It's just really, you know, but there was, you know, thousands of people there. So it was wonderful. Um, but, you know, it's not like a PGA tournament. You, you're just kind of right there with them, sort of moving along with each shot. And these are the best young golfers in the world. These are tomorrow's golf superstars. The winners of this are, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, on and on and on and on, Arnold Palmer. So it's always, you know, for many of the legendary names of golf, the first step, their first, you know, uh, 
time on the national scene is very often this U.S. amateur. So, once again, great event, and uh, it was just a pleasure to be there. And again, I keep my eye on uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and, and many others. Again, there was 312 amateurs to start. Two days later, there was down. they were down to 64, and then it was just match play. So, high drama, great course, great week. So... As my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face, smash-mouth talk? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them, or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune into Anything Goes, featuring Ike Mega Griffin. He's got the facts to back up the talk, and invites you to join him every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, just before the weekend, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Mega tells it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham. Of Bama Magazine and AP, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. It's fabulous weather here, and looking forward to the weekend. Yes, right, you are. This may be literally the nicest day of the summer. It's <laughs> like it's like Hawaii. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, a slight breeze. A, you want to get out your hula skirt, exactly. right? 
Bingo! You've been. I, I I can tell you're familiar with Hawaiian weather because that's it. It's <laughs> high seventies uh, and a breeze, like a constant breeze, totally non-bothersome and delightful. It really may be the number one day of the year here in New England. Everybody's just talking about it and uh, getting outside. So it's wonderful to see. Yeah, I agree. Totally beautiful out today. Absolutely. Well, you know, lots of football in the air. It's like it's here. It's here. And literally, we are now officially under a week till the first official football game, which is, of course, college football next Thursday night. But, AP, the thing that really got my attention this week, uh, and I know it's a story you know, near and dear to your heart, uh, Johnny Manziel being named second team, not first team, second team All-SEC preseason by the coaches poll. I just found that beyond fascinating. It spoke volumes to me. Yeah, John, I didn't know if the coaches were thinking, you know, making the decision on their own that maybe Johnny Manziel wouldn't play this year or they're just sending that strong message uh, to Johnny Manziel and anyone his ilk, you know, misbehaving off the field. So, yeah, it was definitely the, the topic for the week in the SEC. Uh, you know, the coaches, they sent a strong uh, message to everyone, and it was it was unbelievable the way he was. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a guy being the second team all-league, I mean, uh, returning Heisman Trophy winner. I don't think I've ever heard that. You know, Archie Griffin, of course, won it twice, and, you know, Tim Tebow won it as a young player. and so. But I don't think I've ever seen that happen uh, in the SEC. Yes, I, I, I think we can both safely assume it is an all-time first for a returning Heisman uh, winner, of which have only really been a few, a handful of those who have quote returned, to not be voted first-team All-Conference. Yes, yeah. stunning development. I mean, it just is, and you know, when you combine that with, of course, his off-season. I mean, you make a great point. I, I wasn't even looking at it in the will he or won't he play view finder i was you know i I, frankly there's so much to keep up with him i sort of forgot about (laughs) autograph gate and i I just kind of you know the stories died down a tad and now i think i'm just assuming he's going to play and i the reason's very simple it's good for college football therefore I, i don't think the ncaa is going to stop it um anyway it's uh you know, just something that I believe will, uh, you know, will will definitely happen. That he'll that he'll definitely play in the Alabama game, and you know, so I, I viewed the whole vote as a just just a sign that he's going to be, you know, for lack of a better word, distracted. Like he's not going to be the player he was last year, and more importantly, is not going to be the player that you know Aaron Murray and probably AJ McCarron will be this year. Yeah, John, I, I found it fascinating. Uh, you mentioned A.J. McCarron. Here's a guy with two back-to-back BCS championships, and he barely made it to the third team, I guess. <laughs> he couldn't even out-distance Aaron Murray uh, to be on the first team, or or even if the coaches want to put Johnny Menzel on the third team, make him second. So those are the two um, you know, selections that stood out for me was AJ on the third team and Johnny Manziel on the second. And you know, Aaron Murray's a, a fine quarterback, but 
he has yet to accomplish what AJ has the past two seasons. So I, I don't know why they didn't, didn't just name AJ to the first team or the second team. I agree with you. I mean, you know, just forget statistics, forget anything else. This is a guy that's going for his third national championship in a row. That, to me, you know, if you're not going to have the Heisman Trophy winner be your first teamer, then, you know, have your two-time defending national champion be your first teamer. Uh, I like Aaron Murray, too, but you're right. Uh, you know, uh, he's more about statistics so far. Uh, but, yeah, A.J. McCarron. Now, that, to me, would have just been, you know, a perfect pick, uh, again, on sheer leadership qualities. Yeah, and, John, you know, A.J. has the leadership qualities you stated, plus he's done things statistically at Alabama by setting, you know, single-season touchdown record with passing records with 30, and the career one as well with 49. And when you have 30 touchdowns and only three interceptions, I'm not sure if A.J. can play better. Yeah, I agree. Again, you know, it's just it's no different than, you know, uh, if you count success on, like, quote, Super Bowl rings or, in this case, national championships. If you do, then, you know, you have to put him – uh, among the greatest quarterbacks of all time, simply as a, or shall I say, field general. Um, the guy who has, you know, played quarterback when they've won the two. And, you know, you don't, have to say, you don't have to say he led them to two national championships. He had a couple good running backs and, so, and a whole lot of NFL draft picks played with him. But, you know, he, the quarterback is the quarterback. And you have to be uh, very good to you know, be the quarterback of two straight national championship teams. And, you know, I mean, you, you've been working hard on uh, stories on A.J. McCarron in particular, Alabama in general, Alabama QBs. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about it? It's been terrific reading. Well, well thank you, John. Thank you very much. I, I told somebody this uh, story that we compiled, it was a, I think it's going to be a six-part series plus the story itself, I think it was just short of War and Peace, but I'm sure the author didn't have as much fun as I did contacting all these former Alabama uh, quarterbacks, uh, 18 uh, in total. So we went all the way back to Clell Hobson, who was the quarterback of uh, an Orange Bowl team that beat Syracuse 61-6. to I believe that's the greatest bowl victory in, in the history of NCAA football. And, and the folks up in the New England area will know Clell Hobson as Butch Hobson's dad. And they're the only father-son combination in Alabama history to play quarterback. So we went right through Bart Starr in the 60s with Joe Namath and, you know, right on up to, uh, you know, Jay Barker winning the championships and Steve Sloan in the 60s and uh, Richard Todd played for the Jets. And we, we finished up with Greg McElroy who played right uh, right before A.J. McCarron at Alabama. He has his own championship when they defeated Texas out there in Pasadena. So... You know, it was a different perspective. So many things have been written about A.J., and I thought what better to ask these 18 individuals who have a unique vantage point to comment on what I think will be perceived as the greatest quarter, college quarterback in Alabama history. He's done something that no one else has done, uh, wearing that crimson and white uniform by winning two back-to-back BCS championships as a starter. And if he wins this third one, no one could ever achieve it because the BCS is in its last year. But there's nobody who's ever been a starter to win three championships that I can find in the history of college football. 
Wow. That says it all right there. Um, uh, I, I did, yeah, I did read something about Johnny Lujak was on those three teams in the 40s, but he was in the service, I think, for part of the time or maybe all the time. So, uh, you know, A.J., in this modern era of football, I don't know if it'll ever be a – you know, Matt, Matt Leiner was in a position to, to win three in a row, uh, but he was defeated by Texas. So not many times you're going to see the quarterback – stay around for four or five years, including your red shirt, and try to achieve this, you know, distinguished accomplishment. Right. No, absolutely not. No, we're into, you know, rarefied air here, to say the least, with A.J. McCarron. And, you know, we've said this before on the show, you know, I, I feel that, you know, he was born uh, that, that afternoon in Penn State when he hit a huge pass uh, in the fourth quarter to basically, you know, uh, put the victory away. And, you know, he was battling another guy at that moment in time just to be named the starter for that game, and he proved himself in that game, and now the rest is history, as they say. But, you know, I always think back, uh, I think last year, you you would know better than me, but I think a signature moment last year might have been, uh, you know, the play with T.J. Yeldon to beat LSU late in the game? Uh, Don, I, I believe that's the the uh, seminal moment for A.J. They were okay. down. It was about, I think it was minute 34 left on the clock. Up to that point, he had, I think, one completion in the second half for zero yards. And, you know, you're down there in, in Death Valley where dreams die. Well, his came alive and completed four or five passes. That last one, as you said, to the flat. And TJ just juked a few defenders and went in for a touchdown. Uh, for the winning touchdown, they held on for a 21 to 17 victory. And AJ McCarron, as soon as he threw that touchdown pass, you know he ran to the sideline and he was filled with emotion and had his hands in a white towel and he was crying his eyes out because there was just a release of tears from all the pressure playing that position at Alabama. Exactly. Every quarterback, uh, you know, I think faces that moment, that drive, which is pretty much you're losing and you need to drive your team most of the length of the field uh, to win the game, period. And that is, you know, that is when uh, a quarterback makes his makes his name, and he, he made it right then and there. I mean, me personally, you know, I'd watched him up close for, you know, pretty close for a couple of years, not as close as you, but, you know, through you, I had a pretty good feel for for him and how his career was going, and, uh, you know, I said right then and there, that's it. You know, I, I quickly think of, you know, it can be Tom Brady versus the Rams in his first Super Bowl victory. Uh, to me, one of the all-time classics is, you know, Ben Roethlisberger to beat the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. I mean, that was, you know, if you're writing a script for the perfect Super Bowl, you can't get much better than, you know, Roethlisberger's. And the only difference there with Brady's first one is, you know, they needed a touchdown to win it, that type of thing, versus a field goal to win it. You know, that that first Rams-Patriots Super Bowl was tied. If, you, you know, it's... You don't lose if you don't score. Right. Roethlisberger had to score, and A.J. McCarron had to score, and that, to me, is a pretty big difference. 
Right, when you're facing that adversity and your team's down, maybe you're on the, you know, you're at the opposition's field, the crowd is loud and hostile and and all you all the Alabama fans or any a fan of any team, they'll they'll never forget that moment when you mention his name, that's the first thing that'll come to their mind. You know, they may have been at the game, they may have been watching it with a large group of people, but it'll always be the, the place where his star was shining the, the brightest. Absolutely. And, you know, even for me personally, uh, above and beyond just the AJ moment, I've mentioned this before on the show, but, you know, I had watched, you know, TJ, TJ Heldon in the U.S. <laughs> Army All-American Bowl that I work at a mere, you know, eight, nine months earlier. <laughs> so that was for me, you know, he's a freshman. Right. Uh, that for me was, you know, quite a, quite a moment in, in that regard. Yeah, you saw a glimpse of him, John. Uh, and and I don't know how you felt about him, but the first time I saw a TJ, and I probably told you this a number of times, you know, he rushed for 359 yards against a pretty powerful team in the county. So right away I knew there was something unique and special about that young fella. Uh, no, I, you know, I did not project that he would have a, be the first freshman ever to gain 1,000 yards and first freshman running back ever to debut with over 100. So, but, but I knew he was very good. He was, uh, I think, he's about the second best player I'd seen uh, uh, behind Julio Jones. Right, right. No, he was a dominant uh, player. And just real quick, uh, last uh, uh, this year's last year's uh, U.S. Army All American Bowl, Jan- first weekend of January 2013. So about eight months ago, uh, uh, Derek Henry was the nation's number one running back. By you know, he's also headed to. Alabama. What are you hearing about him so far down there? Yeah, he, he's a big, strong kid, John. About six foot three, two two hundred forty pounds, and you know he set that national record that was held for you know since the nineteen fifties. The Ken Hall from Sugarland, right? Correct, correct, John. You're 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 right about that, and you know to break that record, a national record, and and say you want to come to Alabama where they have a stable of running backs already was, I couldn't believe it really. But, you know, Nick Saban has promoted the idea of two running backs will have an opportunity to star on that team. You know, and of course you've got to beat some of the other top running backs out for that second position. But I know, you know, all those young guys are fairly confident about their ability. But I think he's going to get a chance, just like TJ did last year, Right to be that number two running back, I, I really do. He's you know big, powerful guy, and uh, I'm looking for great things from him. He he had an injury in the spring. You know he he came to Alabama in January, participated in spring ball. We got injured, but he's is healed, and he's out there competing hard for that second position. Yes, and uh, again he was uh, uh, impressive in the U.S. Army All American Bowl. He is big. He's he's more in the line of you know Eddie Lacy and Trent Richardson, which is powerful, um, but bigger, I believe, than both. But what was that record that he broke? Was it most yards ever in a high school career, or most touchdowns? Uh, most most yards. I was over twelve thousand. Wow. I mean, if you just think of that, uh, you know, for instance, let's say you're a freshman, you rush for twenty five hundred yards. You do that three more years, you're 2,000 yards short. Correct. Amazing. We're, we're, and we're talking high school. Right. In, in honor of Allen Iverson, who just retired. Now, we talk in practice. We talk in high school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
it's just remarkable. And yeah, I, they showed one of his high school games, a big game, I, I believe. Uh, you know, one the top against another top team from Florida late last year on ESPN, and it was awesome. Uh, Derrick Henry had, I believe, six touchdowns, and I believe the other running back was Fred Taylor's son, formerly okay. of the yeah, yeah, Jacksonville Fred, Fred Jaguars. Great player, too. Great player. Great player. Yeah. He's in he I think he set a few records himself along the way, maybe with like it might have been Emmett Smith's record or whatever down there in Florida, high school record. But uh yeah. Uh it's gonna be great, uh, you know, watching uh Derrick Henry. I mean, I'm a big and I think you are too, you know, I watched them when, no different than what I started the show talking about Matt Fitzpatrick winning the US amateur in golf. Uh yeah, I love the I saw them when they were young kind of story. Yeah, it's fun, it's fun to see them when they're that age, John. You know, they're unpretentious and not clouded by all these handlers and things, and you get a chance to talk to them and learn a bit about them, and, and when you see them down the road, you you bring up those moments, and sometimes that brings the biggest smiles because there was less pressure on them at that high school level, and you know when they get on down the line, things change, and it becomes more business-like, and but uh, when they mention your high school to them, they really uh, open up and, and uh, you know, they, they like to remember those days. Yes. Well, I, I have a good story there, which is, you know, when man, Randy Moss came to the Patriots, uh, I used to work at a paper in West Virginia and, you know, went up to him in the locker room and I, uh, and, you know, just said, you know, introduced him, introduced myself, told him the paper I used to work at. My boss was someone that had covered him many times in his high school career. And, you know, he just opened right up, you know, and Randy's not known for, uh, you know, being overly talkative with the media in the locker room, but he sure was with me. And it was all because of, you know, his West Virginia high school days, just that simple. Yeah. You struck a chord, John. They, those are days that are close to their heart. Absolutely. Well, with that said, uh, time for our break, and I know you're sticking around on the other side. We'll talk a little bit more football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face, smash-mouth talk? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them, or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune into Anything Goes, featuring Ike Mega Griffin. He's got the facts to back up the talk, and invites you to join him every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, just before the weekend, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Mega tells it like it is. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports, most of the time. Join your hosts, Mike Greger and Joe Dara, every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we uh, talked a little bit about in the previous segment the Johnny Manziel being named second-team quarterback of the All-SEC team, uh, last year's Heisman Trophy winner, fairly astounding. Uh, and But... There's a whole lot of other positions. Um, why don't we talk about how you know what the coaches thought of for the uh, voted for for the rest of the All SEC team? Well, John, you know they have three. They have, they have a first team, second team, and third team. And one thing caught my eye, of course, about Alabama was they had 16 honorees, which is twice the total of any other team. Uh, Georgia and LSU had eight apiece. So Alabama doubled that number in the first three teams. So people, you know, the other coaching staffs really believe that Alabama is loaded with talent, and I certainly agree. I mean, you can't vote for your your own players, so it's all the other coaches voting all these Alabama guys. You know, there's no there's no bias in there. It's just all these other coaches really having the respect for Nick Saban and his staff and the way he's developed his players. And, you know, there's some talented teams in that league, as you know, John, LSU and Tennessee and Florida and, you know, A&M. But, you know, to have 16 people on the three teams is, is incredible. That's just mind-boggling. And, you know, that's just, uh, you know, just a reminder to all of our listeners, you know, number one, AP covers Alabama and has for a long time, especially through their recent national championship dynasty. And... Also, the SEC has won the last seven national championships in a row. So, uh, we give them a lot of attention, every second of which they totally deserve. And that's why we like to, uh, you know, to me, this reflects the pulse, the current pulse of college football, to say the least. Uh, you know, we're, we're just in a world right now where, uh, as, you know, as the SEC goes, so goes the rest of college football in, in so many different ways, starting with, you know, the all-SEC team. You know, how, how many of these guys are going to be first-team All-Americans, put it that way? Yeah, John, I mean, the last bunch of years with Nick Saban, I mean, I think the, the most they had one, one time, they set a record, I think it was maybe, I think it was maybe six first-team All-Americans or five, something of that nature, I mean, it's something in your wildest dream when you were growing up. You, if you saw one or two Alabama guys on the All-American team, you were really excited to have five and six at one time. 
And then that's not counting the guys on the second team. You know, All-American. I mean, that's, you know, way beyond all league. I mean, that's nationally. People are recognizing their abilities and their talents and their, their skills. And this all-SEC team, I mean, they have people in all types of positions. I mean, it's not like there's, I mean, there's three defensive linemen on the second team from Alabama. You know, a couple linebackers, defensive backs, running back, offensive linemen, tight end. I mean, you name the position, they have all-star candidates. Wow. It feels like, you know, it's an Alabama world and we're just all living in it, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> is that about and, summing and up? Not to say they're infallible, John. As you know, they've gotten beat the last two years. and, and uh, Correct. You know, so, you know, I'm not not saying that at all. You know, they can be beaten, but you have to be very good um, to stop that rushing attack, and uh, you can't turn the ball over. And Alabama's very good at holding on to the football. That's, you know, the number one priority. Nick Saban's always preaching about ball security, and uh, the teams that have won against Alabama have held the rushing ground in, in, in check, I think it's like under 140 yards, I think. And, you know, they've completed a high number of passes, and they've won the turnover battle. Well, that is a perfect segue into the next subject, because Nick Saban's mentor, Bill Belichick, watched in horror, and I mean horror, last night as a preseason game against the uh, Detroit Lions as his team committed... Four turnovers on the five, first five possessions of the game. Patriots lost 40-9. to nine. I mean, you just don't see this very often up here, which is why, you know, it's worth talking about it. A preseason or not, you know, you can dismiss it. And believe me, I, I have no problem dismissing preseason. You can also say third preseason game of the year is the most important. Everybody knows that. Everybody acknowledges it. Brady played the whole first half through an interception. Uh, it, it, it's been a while since I watched the Patriots get smoked, uh, preseason or not. It just that, and it was strange. And I actually watched, you know, uh, you, you know, what the whole game, which for me is, you know, you know, in a preseason game, just uh, a, a little unusual for preseason, but. You know, it was all about the first half, and, and, you know, even though they were only down something like 17-3, to they, again, committed four turnovers in their first five possessions. So the Lions creamed them, to use uh, a word from back in the day. Yeah, the old Deacon Jones line, we creamed the quarterback. Yeah, there you Uh, go. uh, John, when you have been watching Tom Brady in these last few years since he – had that injury. Do you feel that he's slightly gun shy in that pocket now? You know, there was, it's not often, you know, and I obviously, like many people, I think back to specifically the two Super Bowls against the Giants, where, you know, he'll kind of crumble at the final moment. Uh, Brady's a tough guy, period. Yeah. I will never question his toughness. I've seen too much of it. Yeah. Uh, do I think he is gun shy a little bit, just, you know, uh, you know, one, one millionth of one degree more than he was, which was, uh, which was non-existent pretty much. Uh, but you know, there are just times and, you know, everybody does it, you know, just 
where he'll seem to, you know, again, accept the sack for less than a better way, lack of a better way of saying it, a split second earlier than he might have a few years ago. Yeah. So long-winded answer to your question, but I'm agreeing with you. Yes, I, I think there is a slight difference. Yeah, I, I think that just that infinitesimal uh, amount of time makes a difference in the passing game and and the difference in his uh, ability to complete the passes and you know mount up those numbers like he did in the past. But uh, but the Detroit, you know, they they hit him in the mouth pretty good last night, and that's how you're going to take care of a finesse team. You know, get them off the field so they can't run that no huddle offense and sit them down and, and take control of the football. And, and that's the formula to beat that type of team. Right. Well, you know, it's you know, Patriots look pretty good in their first couple of preseason games. You know, their offense, as we've seen it so often, zip it up and down the field, seemingly unstoppable. We all know that the one way to stop the off- an offense, any offense, Patriots in particular, Brady specifically, is, you know, to hit them. Period. You hit the quarterback, uh, you know, it's, it, it will take its toll over the course of a game. You know, if not quickly, then by the time you get to the fourth quarter, if you hit them all day long, it will take its toll. And clearly, you know, if any team is capable of taking a page from the New York Giants playbook on how to play Brady and the Patriots, you know, the team with the best personnel to do it is the Lions, no question with that, you know. Front seven, but specifically three number one picks on the defensive line. Yeah, they got three terrific players there: uh, the lineman from Nebraska, and one from Auburn, and the one that came in this year from BYU. They're all uh, unique in their style as well, and they they complement each other. You know, the, the new kid on the block uh, uh, from BYU, he's really quick and athletic off that edge, and he's just a nightmare for a quarterback. And he's one of these type of players that's hungry to learn, hasn't played a lot of football. I think he had played three or four years, maybe. Correct. And, uh, but he just got a lot of ability and, and you'd love to, you know, as a coach, I'm sure it's delight, delightful to have him and, and, and teach him everything that you know, cause he's so hungry to learn. Yes. Yes. Well, the others, of course, there's him. He's new to the scene, but then there's, you know, Nick Fairley and, and Dominican Sue, uh, you know, two beasts by any means, but, you know, they really are ridiculously undisciplined. I mean, (laughs) you're watching that game last night. There was one play where one of the guys from the defense was pulling Brady's jersey, got fined. They're just, you know, and and we all know the history of Sue and Jim Schwartz. Again, it was on the same... Cleveland Brown staff with Belichick uh, on Belichick staff with Nick Saban back in the in the late nineties. Um, you know he's a smart guy, <laughs> but yet you know he he's made some mistakes and he's created by any standard. You know, a dis- an undisciplined team that two years ago was in the playoffs. Last year was four and twelve, and you know you have to wonder. I, I would say he's on the hot seat. Oh yeah, you know in. John, how, he's one of these teams that's undisciplined, and that's a big negative in football. I mean, you could do so many things correct, and then you're stabbing yourself in the heart with these personal fouls. To me, as a coach, I'd have to 
I'd have to get something done about that situation. I couldn't stand to be, you know, everyone's out there competing so hard, and then you have that negative play. I, I wouldn't want it. I'd have to have somebody on my staff attend to that that issue in a hurry. Yeah, well, just as a perfect example of how important it is, you know, here I am uh, up in New England, uh, you know, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, longtime Patriots season ticket holder, covered the team for years. I watched the Lions pound them last night like you just don't see very often. Preseason, postseason, or regular season. <laughs> My takeaway from the last night's game, if I could only have one takeaway, one point, it would be simply the Lions haven't changed. Therefore, you know, I don't consider them a contender this year for the postseason. It's just that simple. That, that was my take-home from last night's game. The Lions are still completely undisciplined, and therefore they're not going anywhere this year. That's pretty sad. You know, on the heels of their 40-9 victory over the Patriots. Yeah, right. I mean, in those crucial moments, if you're going to still revert to your bad behavior, there's no way you can win championships, and that's what you're trying to do. I mean, every team's trying to win the championship, and you can't have that 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 type of uh, you know mistakes in crucial moments. That's exactly right. Um, it will cost them, um, and you know, I like the Lions. I really do. Uh, you know, <laughs> I went to a Detroit Lions game at Ford Field. Uh, you know, a, a while back, and really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, love the stadium. And I think it's, uh, I'd like to see them do well, especially, you know, if ever a team could use, uh, if ever a city could use, you know, uh, something to take their mind off the realities of bankruptcy, as in the city of Detroit is the largest American city in history to go bankrupt, which was come out a couple weeks ago. It would be the Lions and or the Tigers, you know, doing well. So I'd love to see it. I like Detroit. It's a good city. I'd like to see their people, their fans get rewarded. And, John, they, they've had a long history of supporting that team through the bad times, too. I mean, and they've got some outstanding talent on offense. I mean, all-star type talent. You know, Calvin Johnson and Stafford, the quarterback. And, right. And Red, Reggie Bush might blossom up there. He looked pretty good last night. I mean, he, he he seemed to add a little something to him. But, you know, AP, while we're on the subject of pro football, you, uh, you know, of NFL, you had the uh, good fortune to talk with Marty Lyons, uh, and you actually picked up a sound clip that I'd like to play. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough last week to uh, cover the New York Jets-Jacksonville ex- exhibition game. And yep. right during the middle of the broadcast, they announced, the New York Jets announced that Marty Lyons will be inducted into the Ring of Honor for the 2013 game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in October. Fabulous. Well, why don't we end the show by... Uh, Letting our listeners hear your uh, disc- your conversation with former All Pro from the New York Jets and Alabama, Marty Lyons. 
This is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine and BamaMag.com. We're, we're the very special guest, Marty Lyons. It was just been announced he'll be inducted into the Ring of Honor in the year 2013 for the New York Jets. Marty, how surprised were you with this honor? Well, you know, A.P., I was totally surprised. Uh, you know, and then I was really surprised when they made the announcement, and I looked behind me, and my family was there. And then, of course, everybody is asking you real quickly, how do you feel, how do you feel, your emotional reaction, and you're overwhelmed. You're very humbled by uh, the New York Jets paying tribute to you, and I, I look at it like they pay tribute to everybody that I've ever played the game of football with, all the way back to high school, college, any coach that I worked with uh, that were instrumental in my life. This is recognizing them, and it's also recognizing the New York Jets fans. So when I came in in 1979, I was a young, young kid from the University of Alabama with a lot of techniques, and there was a lot of demands on me and uh, the fans were very understanding and they stuck with me and they created a fan club for me and here I stand before them 34 years later really representing them as saying hey thank you this is we're all part of this I, my name may go up there my number might be up there but this is all of us this is a combination combination of everybody uh, working hard and the recognition should be shared with everybody that's uh, been a part of it. Congratulations, Marty. Couldn't have to a nicer guy. Thank you. Well, that was former New York Jet great Marty Lyons talking with AP Stedham. AP sounds like a wonderful guy. He really is. You know, he's he's been on a roll, uh, John, the last few years. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and in that same year, he re- received the Heisman Humanitarian Award because for over 30 years, he's helped children who have had terminal illness. Uh, you know, follow up and and have their wishes granted. So Marty is is you know a genuine person who has a compassion for other people, especially in desperate situations. And you know, good for Marty. Uh, really glad to see it. And I know he's real proud to be in that Ring of Honor for the New York Jets. Yes. Well, he was uh, part of the New York Sack Exchange, if I remember correctly, with Mark Gastineau. Marty Lyons. Who are the others on that? Uh, uh, Salam, and then um, it was Gastineau, Lyons, and Joe Klecko. Joe Klecko. How could I forget Joe Klecko? His son went to Temple and then played up here for the Patriots. Right, right. That's correct. He sure did. Yeah, Joe was a all-pro at three different positions, actually. Exactly, which, exactly. Which is, which is unique. And, uh, and uh, yeah, but Marty, he's, he's quite a... First, he helped, he's helped thousands of children through the years, the last three decades. And uh, he formed that foundation at a, a low point in his life. He, it was really an emotional thing. His dad passed away. His son was born, and the little child he was mentoring passed away. So that all happened within three or four days. And he, he thought to himself, you know, I have to, you know, he looked himself in the mirror. He wasn't too happy with the way things were going. He said, I'm going to do something for somebody else besides myself. I'm going to think outside and not be self-absorbed. And he's been doing that for three decades now. Wow. Does he still live in the New York area? He lives in that New York area. He sure does. He's, and he never left. He, he was drafted out of Alabama, and he's never left the area. Smart. Well, uh, wise move, I think, when you're a legend. Uh, you know, in a certain area, I think, uh, makes for a pretty good life when you stay there. I've seen it. A good example to me is Lynn Swan staying in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, 
the graceful receiver from Southern Cow, glamorous, if you will. Not the kind of guy you would have picked to live his life in Pittsburgh and actually run for governor of Pennsylvania, but that's exactly where Lynn Swan has stayed. Right, right, sure did. And, uh, John, that other person I wanted to get his name in there was Abdul Salam, was that other person. Abdul Salam, Marty Lyons, Joe Klecko, and Mark Gaston on the New York Sack Exchange. Wow. Household names, to say the least. Uh, legendary, so... Well, wonderful, uh, AP. Always nice to end uh, end the show on a on a high note by listening to someone uh, like Marty Lyons. That's a great honor for him, and thank you for getting it. I really appreciate it. As do our listeners. My pleasure, John. Thank you very much. Terrific, and Voice America listeners, uh, I want to thank you as always for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at one p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.